Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined as always by one of the top fantasy rankers in the game, in Sean Kerner. And today we're going to talk about some preseason uh, risers and fallers from week one. We had a lot of the hype guys, you know, get action. So um, we're going to take a break from our positional previews and jump into that. And, and to do that, we have a very special guest. He is the co-owner of Fantasy Points. He is the founder of Yards Created, which is a very uh, helpful running back me- methodology to, to evaluate backs. Uh, he is Graham Barfield. Graham, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, this is good. Running back again. Uh, it's always good to talk to you guys in August. And uh, it's hype season. It is hype yes. season, man. I'm ready for it. Oh, yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, we're going to kind of get into a bunch of different players. Uh, we'll talk about you know guys moving up our board and down our board as well at the end of the show. Just a reminder, if you like the pod, be sure to leave us a rating and review uh, on Apple. Uh, we will choose the best one every week. You get a free year of Action Pro, which comes with our rankings, projections, fantasy tools, all that good stuff. So uh, be sure to give us a rating and review if you like the show. And uh, let's jump right into uh, the first guy I want to talk about. Uh, we'll start with a running back, Graham, because I, I know that uh, you do really great work with back. So wanted to get your opinion on Texans running back Damian Pierce. Uh, we saw him uh, moonlight for a few carries in, in that first game. He had five carries, 49 yards, his fourth rounder out of Florida. Uh, first of all, just what's your general opinion on him as a uh, as a running back? Loved him, man. Uh, he was one of my guys in this class. This was a pretty weak rookie running back class. This was the sixth year I've done yards created. And I think it was, it was pretty clearly the, the weakest one. But Pierce was my pre-draft number three running back behind Hall and Walker. And he's my post-draft uh, number three running back behind Hall and Walker. You know, we always get, we've been burnt plenty of times in our in our lives with kind of these smaller sample efficiency backs, but Pierce is legit awesome. Uh, popped in yards created, popped in missed tackles, forced per attempt, was really strong on passing downs. Uh, again, limited work, limited sample size, but I thought he's a really good pass blocker. And 
looks like that's kind of already earned him some snaps. Um, you know, with just Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead there, there's plenty of opportunity for Pierce to get on the field early. And I think, I think we're already seeing it. A follow-up question for you since, you know, I, I know you kind of scouted it out with yards created and everything. Uh, you know, the Texans offensive line last year was a complete train wreck. Um, this year, uh, they're ranked uh, 22nd in the league by pro football focus heading into the year. Um, like, what do you think his ability is to gain yards, uh, you know, behind a subpar O-line? Right. Well, I mean, Pierce uh, had to gain yards behind a subpar coaching staff last year. <laughs> I had no idea what they were thinking, not playing this guy. I mean, it's like every time he touched the ball, he was making a big play, but listen, I mean, Pierce was fantastic. Uh, really strong missed tackles force per attempt. Uh, he wins with power, speed, and elusiveness. Uh, I wrote this up in my, in my column, uh, yards created column this year, but he reminded me in terms of playing style of cream hunt. Uh, they have very similar measurables too. They're both five ten, about two fifteen. both ran in the four sixes. Um, I, I think there's a, a strong corollary between the way they play the position in terms of their physicality and, uh, and their elusiveness. I'm, I'm all over Pierce. Sean, I uh, I got a chance to look at your projections for Pierce and, you know, mm. me kind of looking at trying to project him. He's tough because I, I like him. I like targeting backs like this, you know, guys that could get a sent to the starting role sooner than later. Um, and, you know, the concern I think everybody has with him, this guy never carried the ball more than uh, 106 times in, in college. Now, I see you have him projected for uh, a little bit more than that in, in year one with Houston. So uh, just talk about how you kind of, you know, the projection process for, for a player like him. Yeah, so with Pierce, uh, I love the landing spot because this is going to be the easiest depth chart for him to climb. Um, you know, he's going to have to beat out Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead. So no Rex uh, Burkhead slander on this podcast. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to say not too bad anyway. Um, but yeah, so I was projecting him to, you know, sort of back up Marlon Mack, like Marlon Mack was going to be the nominal starter week one. And then Pierce was going to be good enough to leapfrog him. But I saw I saw enough in, you know, the first preseason game to think this could happen by week one. So I think there's a good chance he will be starting week one. So I bumped him up quite a bit. Um, I flipped him in my up, my running back upside rankings. Uh, I just made him the starter <laughs> over Marlon Mack. So I think that he does go in a range where, you know, it, it's okay to take a swing on him. He could be the starting back for his team. So um, I, I kind of like drafting him where he is now. He kind of gives me that Chris Carson, Cam Akers vibe where he, he seeks contact. So mm -hmm. coaches are going to love that. You know, he tries to gain the extra yard or two. I think that might make him a little bit more injury prone. But either way, like he does have the skill set to be a true three down back. And I'm not going to slander Rex Burkhead, but remember last year we were targeting him um, towards the end of the year because he was getting volume. So that that's really what it comes down to is I think Pierce will see enough volume where he could be a low end RB2. Um, you know, I would say maybe after week four or so, uh, once he has time to, you know, adapt to the NFL. But um, I, I liked what I saw and I thought he was going to be uh, good when he got drafted by the Texans. I thought he had a clear path to be the starting back. So you, where you have him ranked? He's going as uh, 44 right now among running backs. Uh, oh, in, yeah. No, I, again, once we get past the, you know, top 30, I like to bucket them. Mm -hmm. um, so I would draft him much sooner than that. I would draft him right around RB 35, I would say. Okay. Because, again, he doesn't need an injury to become a workhorse back. So that that's what I love about him. Um, and, yeah, so I think right around RB 35 is when I would take him. Yeah, I have him. I think I have him ranked RB 40. Um, and yeah, he kind of he's right after the guys like, you know, Daryl Henderson and James Robinson, who have like a pretty decent, like locked in week run role. He's like right there, like that next guy. Uh, Graham, what about you? Where are you uh, where would you take uh, Pierce? 
Uh, I got him a little higher than you guys. I have him uh, RB 30. Uh, oh, pretty, yeah, pretty bullish in the eighth, ninth round. I just think, you know, that's the pocket where you get aggressive on your guys this year. Um, yeah. You know, in the eighth, ninth round. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good backs to take between Ramondre Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Kerner, your, uh, your Seahawks, Ken Walker's having a procedure. Oh, they're not Schefter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, got the hat, you got the hat on. But... Oh, it doesn't mean I like him, but I take your point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, wait, 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 wait. See, this is why I love being a host because I get to call people out yeah, on, yeah. on their bullshit, Sean. Every time you wear a hat, it has meaning. So I think exactly. Graham was right to kind of assume <laughs> that this was, a, this was a Ken Walker hat because literally every other time we've been on his pod, it's like, okay, is... you like you like a, the Chiefs? Okay, you're going to wear like a Chiefs hat if you like Pacheco or like whatever. So I think Graham was right for that. Like, yeah, I'm trying to skirt out of that one. This is actually this is actually a Travis Homer hat. I am okay. fading. I am fading Penny and Walker. You know that Rayvon. So this is a Travis okay, Homer hat. Okay. I'm not saying draft Travis Homer, but we can get to that. Hey, hey, don't don't sleep on DJ <laughs> Dallas either. Oh, uh, true, true. Uh, all right, let's go on to uh, Isaiah Pacheco and uh, another running back who. Only a few touches in the preseason and in week one, but, uh, you know, the hype was building because of, uh, number one, um, how he was used. He was running with the starting offense. Uh, when they got into the red zone, uh, they, they were using him. And uh, so he only ended up with two carries for six yards. He had a catch uh, for a few yards as well. And he had a pretty impressive kick return where he caught it like eight yards deep in the end zone. And, and he took it 34 yards. Like usually coaches are like, do not take this out when, when he went as deep as he caught it and he got to like the 28 yard line or something like that. So, um, you know, overall he looked good. And then he was out there chilling, you know, on the sideline when the, when the starters came out of the game. So uh, Graham, you know, what's kind of your impression um, from, from studying this guy, Isaiah Pacheco. I actually didn't, uh, didn't chart him. I, I wish I did. I should have gone back and charted him after the draft, but there's some smoke here for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's a great sign that he's already beaten, uh, beaten Ronald Jones out. I know Jerick McKinnon's, uh, you know, dealing with a, an injury himself. As always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor guy, man. But uh, I watched all of his carries this past weekend and, you know, I, I watched some of them at Rutgers this summer, didn't chart him. Um, and I thought, you know, he's big, he's big and he's fast. He's got the size speed combo, but I, I think his processing needs some work. Uh, Andy Reid, though, at the end of the day, is like one of the best uh, running back scouts of all time. And I'll just like lend off to him. But um, I think Pacheco being the two is probably just a good sign for Clyde edwards helaire guys. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I think it's a good sign for I mean, I think it's a good sign for Pacheco. And, you know, obviously, CEH, you know, the less competition he has from like veterans, probably the better. But, you know, I remember, you know, like last year, Darrell Williams was the guy to own in that Kansas City backfield. Yeah. And I think Pacheco is kind of, you know, Darrell Williams was beloved by Andy Reid. Like this guy, for a guy who was pretty much nobody, you know, thought everyone thought he was going to be nobody. Like he was a guy that was getting like crucial carries in this Kansas City offense. And they finally, finally moved on from him. And I, I think Pacheco has a chance to be that next guy. So this is one of them where, you know, Sean, I think the preseason hype, you know, for a guy like this, it's like everyone wants to kind of dart them off their, their draft boards. Um, but I, I know you're a lot more, more focused on kind of the median and you're, you know, so I, I want to ask you, like, where do you kind of have him ranked? And all, but where would you take him? Because I know sometimes the median doesn't quite equal the upside for a player like this. Yeah. So when it comes to these backs, um, I'm less concerned about the median and I, I'm really trying to bake in, you know, their upside to where I would draft them. So I think there's a lot to like about him because 
there's a chance, you know, Ronald Jones doesn't even make the team. So yeah. I think that the market is, you know, correctly factoring that in. I remember I said that about Damian Harris last year. I think Sony Michelle was still on the team. And I said I was I was projecting um Damian Harris way higher because of the potential mm-hmm. that they cut Sony Michelle. Uh, I think James White was already hurt. I don't remember what was going on, but I, I remember, you know, Harris had some massive upside baked in. That's going on with Pacheco right now. And I'm kind of glad he didn't go off. I was worried he was going to break like an 80-yard run for a touchdown. And then that would be it. You know, the, the hype for him would be crazy. So I kind of, I was glad that he kind of had kind of an uneventful preseason game to keep his ADP in check. But I do like where he's going. That's the range where you want to take a, you know, flyer on a guy like this. And in this offense, he won't need, you know, 20 plus touches a game to have value. He only needs a handful of, you know, carries or receptions in this offense to produce some value. So I I love his upside. I love the fact that, you know, Ronald Jones might get cut. Um, So I I do like where he's going right now. Yeah. And right now he is at RB 62, it looks like. Um, Way too low. Yeah. He's, you know, highest uh, at Yahoo. He's already up to 55. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, when you look at running backs and, you know, as, as Graham just kind of alluded to, there's probably, you know, 35, 40 guys that have like a, a week one role of some sort that we can kind of project. And after that, the way I look at it is, you know, you're not really project, like, there's no one else you can really draft and start in week one anyway. So you might as well take shots uh, on guys who have that ceiling that you may be starting them by week four or something like that. And yeah. I think Pacheco certainly qualifies again, you know, last year it was Daryl Williams who wasn't starting for the whole year, who ended up as the RB, uh, you know, 22 and Clyde Edwards Alaire was, was lower than that. You know, he, he finished, you know, 39. So uh, I think it's, it, it's a similar thing. He reminds me a little bit uh, of Williams in the way he's going to be used. He reminds me a little bit of Spencer Ware, a guy who got some good run uh, in Kansas city a few years back. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I think this is a guy, you know, I know it's a lot of hype surrounding him, but he's cheap enough. You know, if he's on your bench, if you don't have to start him week one, I think you're probably not going to regret it. Um, I hope, I hope it works out better than the Darwin Thompson hype a couple years ago, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but a different kind of player. Uh, and in the fact that we're already seeing, seeing him use it in the red zone and, and, and Mahomes, you know, I think he sees that number 10 and he's like, it's just like ingrained into his mind to look for that number because I another, love that he's number 10, by the way. I yeah. Right, right. So <laughs> another guy who, you know, is pretty good in case he wore number 10, who's in Miami now. Um, all right, let's go to uh, one of my favorite players. Uh, I have a piece up at actionnetwork.com right now where, where I talk about how he has a realistic path to being a starter uh, in Green Bay, maybe even the number one wide receiver. That's Romeo Dobbs, uh, fourth round pick out of Nevada. Uh, seven targets in, in his first preseason game, three catches, 45 and a touch. He, he beat uh, uh, a, a Niners DB for a 33-yard touchdown uh, out of the slot. So guy you can move around. Uh, Graham, you know, I know there's a lot of hype surrounding Dobbs. Um, what is your opinion uh, of him as a player and where are you uh, taking him if you, if you are? Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense to really bump up Dobbs. I mean, at the end of the day, Packers, you know, it's down Lazard. We feel pretty good about Cobb. We know he's going to have a week one role. But other than that, man, I mean, Christian Watson's been dealing with an injury all offseason. Mm-hmm. He's been on the PUP list. He finally just got off this past week, but he's, yep. he's going to be well behind. So Dobbs, man, he's going to be their three, I think, to start week one. 
Um, we've seen some of the camp footage. We saw some of the, you know, preseason game, you know, game this past weekend showing uh, good uh, separation skills to get off press coverage, uh, good separation skills against, against zone too. So I, there's some smoke here, man. And, you know, with Rogers, he has such a long history of not throwing to, uh, to rookie receivers. A lot of those guys were drafted in the second round too. you know, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, all those guys are round two picks. They start slow, but this year is going to be different, man. I mean, if one of these guys between Watson and Dobbs is going to pop. Sean, I think last year our, our kind of joke was like, I was like, you know, who's the best running back in the Falcons backfield and why is it Cordell Patterson? So <laughs> I'll say it to you this year, like who's the best wide receiver, uh, you know, in this Green Bay offense and why is it Romeo Dobbs? Yeah, I, w- I would still go with <laughs> Al Lazar, at least to begin the season. But yeah, obviously Dobbs is a player that, uh, you know, I would love to draft where he's going right now. He's right around the wide receiver 65 range yeah. with recent drafts. Um, and I would definitely draft him over guys like a Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, Jahan Dotson. I, I consider those guys, you know, higher floor. Like I might be projecting them with a higher median than Dobbs because Dobbs range of outcomes is he could be the number four or five receiver and we never hear from mm-hmm. him again or Aaron Rodgers, number one target. So yeah. in this range, you should be drafting based on their ceiling. So I am all aboard the Dobbs train. Uh, I, I don't think the hype is overblown at all. And we have to remember, he got all these catches and targets from Jordan Love. We haven't even seen him with Aaron Rodgers yet. So just the fact that he's in Green Bay is already massive for his stock. So, yeah, I'm absolutely going to target him at his current ADP right now because of his ceiling. Yeah, I, I you know, as I talk about in my piece, I think he really has a shot, even by week one, uh, to be the number one receiver. The reason, there's a couple of reasons. The first is, you know, what we're always looking for in a guy to be a number one receiver is a guy that's going to be able to get open. And, you know, we look at targets per route run is a good way to look at it. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it just tells you not only is the guy getting open, but he's beating out the other players on his team to get open. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a small sample, but in that game, he had seven targets on 15 routes. So that's a 47% targets per route run. For, for context, like the top receivers in the league are usually, you know, barely pushing 30. You know, maybe Devontae Adams will get like a 30%. Most people are in the high 20s, and that's for the top guys. So um, he's doing exactly what we needed him to do. And then, you know, Graham, as you mentioned, you know, Watson is going to be behind. And there's a chance that Dobbs is always a better route runner than Watson. Watson has that kind of, you know, that size speed combo, but he could end up being more like an MVS. He's going to be the X receiver. He's going to be on the line of scrimmage. You know, like there could be, he could be more of like the low percentage route runner to start his career. Um, then you have a guy like Sammy Watkins who probably makes the team and, you know, but I think he's a, a, a guy that could get released if not, if he does it even before the, the season starts, but even if not, I mean, he could be one of those guys that gets released by like week six or something. Watkins and Amari Rogers, I think are the, the guys that are probably the odd men out. I wanted to mention our guy, Greg Cosell, uh, uh-huh. fantasy points in Love him. his draft guide. Yeah, yeah. So he mentioned he comped before the draft. He comped Christian Washington, Christian Watson to Marquez Valdez scam. Oh, I didn't even know that. And okay. Get this. He comps Romeo Dobbs in terms of play style to Devontae Adams. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking as I just watched these guys. And listen, Greg Cosell, like if, if you guys haven't listened to Greg Cosell, I mean, this guy, he's one of the few guys, like I can just soak up knowledge from every time I hear him speak. Like, you know, at, the deeper you get into this industry, Graham, I'm sure you know, is like, you're, you're looking for, you're not always consuming straight up fantasy content anymore right. or DFS content. You're just looking for right. football, people that know football and know what's going on. And, and Greg does. So that that's encouraging to hear. Um, but yeah, you know, I think Watkins is not really a threat. Um, I think Cobb is, like you said, Rogers is probably competing with Cobb. Like they probably would ideally like Rogers to beat out Cobb. Remember Cobb wasn't a non-factor when everyone was healthy last year. And I think Lazard, 
um, is a guy they like in the slot role too. So that it might not even matter because you could have a starting lineup of Lazard in the slot, Watson as the X and Dobbs as the Z. And, uh, you know, I think that it's in that configuration. Lazard has never been a guy, you know, he's, he's a bigger guy. He's never going to like just straight up get open. His career targets per route run rate is about 15, 16%, which is why I don't think he's an ideal number one receiver. He might be in week yeah. one by default, but it's, it's up there for the taking. And then, you know, whoever the tight ends are, whether it's Tunyon, he who also came back, like not going to be a high target guy. So that's why I really like Dobbs is that he could be that guy that every time he's on the field, he's getting targeted over 20% of the time, just because a lot of these other guys really aren't either by the way they run routes or just their skill set might not be getting open at a high rate. So uh, love me some Romeo Dobbs. I think once you get out, like you want, like when you're drafting, you probably want four receivers in that top 40. And, and then after that, you're going to be taking swings on upside. So it's like, yeah, you could draft like a Devonte Parker. You could draft the Jarvis Landry, but Yuck. you know what I mean? Like, why not just take a guy like who could be the number yeah. one receiver on a Packers like Romeo Dobbs? So, and uh, if he's not, you could just pick up Devonte Parker later on the yeah. waiver wire. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's how that works. Uh, oh yeah, Jacoby Myers <laughs> will get you those six catches every yeah. week anyway. You know what I mean? Yep. That, yep. Totally. Um, so from one hype wide receiver to another, uh, next up is George Pickens. He is a second round pick out of Georgia on the Steelers who kind of like the Packers, you know, when they draft receivers, you got to take notice. Um, and, uh, you know, Pickens caught three for 43 and a lovely toe tap touchdown, uh, in week, uh, in preseason week one on 14 routes, uh, Barfield, what did you see out of Pickens, uh, in that, in that game? Dude, he's a freak, man. Pickens is just a freak. I, I'm just convinced that like the Steelers have this like wide receiver algorithm that like just spit like they 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 have some sort of like system where they just like can identify receivers at any point in the draft. It's unbelievable. But you know the reason Pickens fell had nothing to do with his you know on the field or on the field stuff. I mean, it was all off the field. You know the, the ability was always there for him. Uh, and you know after Chase Claypool's down year last year, there, there's an an option for him to be the number two by midseason. You know, I was drafting Pickens quite a bit in like the 160, 170 range and in best ball. So I'm a little bit disappointed to see him start to gain <laughs> a lot of steam here, but it's definitely warranted. Yeah, he's going as the uh, wire. He's up to wide receiver 57. Uh, Sean, I already have him at wide receiver 50. I have because like there's just like a big opening and he's kind of it's understood that he's going to be the starter pretty much. Um, yeah. so, so I really like Pickens. What about you? Yeah, if you remember, he was my late round dart throw and best ball way earlier in draft season. Um, and I thought he probably needed an injury to Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool to really hit value. But after what I saw this week, uh, you know, he could surpass Chase Claypool in the pecking order for yeah. sure this year. So that's why I moved him up a ton as well. Uh, again, he was a second round draft pick uh, because I, I, his senior or his junior season, his last season at Georgia, he was coming back from an ACL uh, injury. So yeah. I think that might have been why some off the field issues, but he he would have been a first round pick for sure. Um, if he had a normal season. So um, the talents there, uh, he, you know, the quarterback situation is basically the only concern I have with him at this point. Um, but yeah, I love, love having him. I don't have him quite as high as you Ray Bond, but mm -hmm. love taking him at ADP, even though the hype is, you know, off the rails right now, but it's definitely warranted. Where, who do you guys think starts like Pickens? You, you think it's, yeah, I think it's Pickett too. Like, I mean, cause like, here's what I'm thinking with Pickens. Like, you know, Deontay Johnson is going to be out there every time. He's yes. a guy, he's always proven that he can, he can play like all the snaps. He gets open, like nobody's business. But um, I think Pickens may be a candidate to also 
play like all of the snaps from the jump because yeah. Claypool, he Pickens doesn't really play in a slot. And so like Pickens just might be that starting guy on the outside every play. Um, and then Claypool may come in, you know, in three wide sets and, you know, Calvin Austin, if he's healthy, will yeah. factor in there as well. But yeah, I could, I could see Claypool like being a guy who's more like a 75, 80% snap guy and Pickens being the guy who's 90. Like I, I already kind of think that's the be- the configuration that it kind of has to be, you know? So yeah. I like that Claypool was going to get some like slot work this year. Too. Yeah. I think it, they have some to. Sense. Yeah. yeah. Makes some sense. All right. Uh, yeah. So love Pickens. Another guy I think you should buy the hype on. Uh, here's the only guy that I'm really going to talk about. That's not a rookie, but you know, definitely another guy who, you know, I, I loved. And then, you know, of course he has to go out and, and throw a touchdown <laughs> yeah. in, in the preseason, but Trey Lance, I mean, Trey Lance is my favorite quarterback to get because I, I just think, you know, your teams, if you're, if you're mocking and drafting right now, um, they look so much better when you don't, you know, jump the gun on quarterback. Like you really want to kind of sop up those, those running backs and wide receivers in those first nine, 10 rounds. And so Trey Lance, you know, he, he's a great guy to get, but uh, you know, third, third pick overall out of North Dakota state in 2021, you know, they essentially say, fuck you to Jimmy Garoppolo. And, uh, and they're going Lance this year. He goes four for five, 80 yards and a touch also seven yard carry and a slide. You said it was the first slide he's ever executed. Uh, at any level. Yeah. He's like, I, yeah, he was like, he was, he only wanted to talk about a slide at, at the press. <laughs> he was like, I, he's like, I slid guys. Like this is a first for me. Um, so, uh, you know, he's, that, he's learning how to play quarterback. I mean, he's learning how to kind of you know stay on the field and, and I'm really excited about how I really think he should be like the number one quarterback target for everyone drafting because, you know, dra- spending a higher pick, you're just going to miss out on like another running back or wide receiver, which is going to be so crucial for depth. But uh, Barfield, where are you on, uh, on Trey Lance? Yeah, it's just too easy. Um, I, I've just moved Lance up and up all offseason. <laughs> right. uh, I mean, you look back at his two starts last year, two thirds of his carries were design plays. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the type of usage we want to see. We want, you know, then we want our, our quarterbacks to have like design plays for them, like Lamar Jackson, like Jalen Hurts. Trey Lance is right there in that conversation, too. Now, I don't think he's a, as dynamic of a runner uh, as, as Jalen Hurts is. But that being said, I mean, this offense is is unbelievable between all the weapons. I mean, it's just, it's such a slam dunk and it makes so much sense. I, I have him right behind Burrow mm-hmm. and Kyler Murray, but I think you can make a case for him over Burrow. Mm-hmm. Even I, I just, we still don't know if the Bengals are going to actually do what's sharp and just throw a ton, but I, I think it's a conversation between him and Burrow in, inside like the you know, QB seven QB eight debate there. Yeah. It's, it's like you, those top six, you know, they're pretty locked in. I'm counting Hertz as the QB six. And then I think Lance is probably like, he should be the QB seven, at least in my plan, because like the the guys I want to fade, even if they're not like overvalued, the guys I want to fade are the more, are the pocket passes like Joe Burrow, you know, Tom Brady, if he slips, sure, I'll take him. But like, really, you know, even Dak doesn't run as much. Wilson doesn't run as much. So like, give me the guy who like Justin Fields last four games that he completed last year. Like he he got hurt in one of them. The other four, he was like QB two, QB nine, QB 10, QB 11. That's a QB eight finish. You know, like Trey Lance is better than that in a much better offense. So uh, yeah, I think, I think he has legit QB one overall upside. Uh, Sean, what say you on, uh, on Trey? Yeah, my opinion it remains the same. It's still I'm gonna try to target Jalen Hurts uh, earlier in the draft, and if you know I don't get him, I'm gonna aggressively pursue uh, Trey Lance. So yeah, once 
once the uh, Niners gave Jimmy G the middle finger, that's what uh, <laughs> yeah, really helped me solidify my Trey Lance take. So I, I didn't need to see any action this week, although it was nice to see Danny Gray uh, look pretty good. But I love the weapons around Lance this year. They were able to lock up Debo. So what's not to like uh, about Lance? So, yeah, he's inside my top 10 now. Yeah. And, you know, the reason I love him in this offense, a lot of people, maybe the only concern for people with him is, you know, his ability to actually throw the football. Well, I think Kyle Shanahan kind of mitigates that to a large extent, because like for people that don't like really know what Kyle Shanahan's doing, like it's unheard of the positions he's putting his receivers in. He's putting his receivers in position to get like yak yardage yards after catch that you usually have to throw a bubble screen to get eight, nine yards down the field. Like Debo Samuel was catching the ball on average a little over eight yards down the field and getting another 10 yards after the catch. Brandon Ayuk was catching the ball on average 8.6 yards down the field and getting six yards after the catch. Like that is unheard of in the modern day NFL. It's like you catch a ball eight, nine yards down, like downfield, you're getting, you know, three, four yards uh, of yak, you know, on average, like these are yak numbers that are you, you usually get when you throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage and they're finding space to do this, you know, essentially at the marker already like so i'm not worried about trey lance at all as a passer i think he'll get his numbers yeah remember when it comes to this scheme that it made nick mullins look like a qb2 i mean right come on yeah yeah i mean he was yeah it was like i think he finished his niners career at 7.9 yards per attempt and and lance even he was 8.5 last year in his two in his two (laughs) games so like yeah Yeah. no concerns uh with, with him throwing the football uh let's go to desmond ritter he was a third round pick out of cincinnati this year um, and, uh, you know, just like Marcus Mariota, you know, a guy who can bring some rushing upside, he threw only 10 for 22, you know, did get uh, two touchdowns and 103 yards, but, uh, I think it was a six for 59 rushing, uh, that that's really kind of interesting because, you know, this is like the contingency plan of the contingency plan of the contingency plan. It's like, if you miss out on Hertz, you go for Lance. If you miss out on Lance, you go for fields. If you miss out on fields, you know, maybe it's Daniel Jones, but then there's always going to be a Falcon quarterback. That's going to run too, whether it's Mariota or Ritter Uh, Barfield. I know Ritter's probably not going to be a week one factor, but uh, let's say, you know, he's, he's in the streaming debate or the DFS debate at some point in in the season. You know, what what are your thoughts on him? I think Mariota separated himself, man. I think he, you know, Arthur Smith went out and got Mariota for a reason. I think Ritter is kind of more of like a project type of player for them. And if Mariota stinks, which he very well could, uh, then Ritter's going to play. The Falcons have like the hardest opening stretch. I came up with a metric using my guy Scott Barrett's strength of schedule metrics and then just like implied totals from the first couple of weeks of games. And the Falcons have by far the worst early season outlooks. I mean, this this offense is going to struggle to put up points, but we kind of saw it one quarter. I mean, Mariota was running, you know, way more. Uh, he dealt with injuries, obviously, all throughout his career with the Titans. And I don't think he ever really was a dual threat quarterback to the, you know, to his potential because he was constantly hurt. You know, now he's finally healthy. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of like quietly excited to see Mariota. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been bumping him up my ranks just because he does have that dual threat ability. But, you know, like I said, I mean, there's there's very limited job security with him. You know, at the end of the day, you're really targeting Mariota in, in best ball and like super flex drafts. But I do think he's an extremely high upside pick as like a QB three and super flex. Yeah, I mean, like for me, it's kind of like, you know, I actually like him better and just straight up redraft because I could just stream him and drop him if he loses his yep. job, you know, yep. like, cause I think, I think both of these quarterbacks are going to give you that rushing upside. And, you know, they have, I mean, Kyle Pitts, Drake Oneness, and 
Hatteras is nothing to sneeze at. So, um, you know, Sean, where are you on Ritter? And we could throw Mariota in that conversation as well. Just, you know, Falcons quarterback, you know, I know you, you write, you know, you mm-hmm. write a column on streamers. You, you foresee them uh, in that discussion at, at some point this year. Yeah. So Ritter, he looked okay, but I think this game had more to do with Mariota's value, which I agree. I think, you know, especially early in the season, he's going to definitely be streamer viable not only because of his rushing upside, but just look at his weapons. I mean, he has, they're going to use Cordero Patterson more as, you know, a pass catching back this year, apparently. Uh, Drake London, uh, he's my favorite rookie wide out this year. Uh, and Kyle Pitts. Um, so combining that with his rushing ability, plus they're going to be trailing most of the time. Um, you know, I, I'm going to love his usage early in the season. So yeah, this this made me more interested in Mariota early in the season, you know, DFS, streamer, you know, leagues like that so yeah this was very good news for marcus Mariota. he looked good in his you know limited action yeah man i i kind of like the, this falcons you can get a lot of these cheap falcons guys yep. um even kyle pitts he's like you know he's kind of like if you can't get kelsey or andrews it's like kyle pitts probably the has like i think more so than like kittle or waller this year has that like you know 1500 yard upside just because of you know who he yeah. is and who he's competing with um, let's go to, let's talk about London real quick. Barfield, you know, he only had that one catch looked pretty good on it. Um, you know, are, are you interested in him? He, I think his ADP is pretty low here at wide receiver 45. Maybe that was a reaction to the, to the injury. Yeah, man. I, I think people, uh, London's backed up in ADP, man. I, I was taking him in like the wider, the back end of like the wide receiver three range and mm-hmm. best ball. And I'm definitely in as a four, um, you know, look at it. I mean, I, I want to chase uh, early round hyperproductive, college receivers london fits that bill there's no one else on that depth chart and the receiver depth chart at least to, to really threaten him um and if Mariota is a little better than the markets are expecting i mean london london will probably get out to a pretty quick start you know, i think the falcons are going to want to run the ball more uh but like i said they have a really brutal opening stretch so i, I think they're going to end up having to to chase some games early in the year and that'll probably lead to a little more volume for london and pitts and all their guys yeah. And, uh, you know, Sean, we just did the pod with Matt Harmon and, you know, looking at his reception perception where he charted London, like I think the biggest misconception uh, and even I had to kind of, you know, educate myself on this was that, OK, he's a bigger guy. You know, he, he might struggle with some of the separation skills, um, but, you know, Harmon charted him and this guy was in the you know 80th percentile or better in getting open and winning on his routes. And then uh, I, you I know you tweeted a, a clip of him and you said he looked pretty smooth out there as well. So. Um, talk to me about uh, London. Yeah, like I said, you know, he's my favorite rookie wide receiver. I, I got to watch him a lot, you know, at USC uh, on local cable. So I, I've been watching him for quite some time now. He he reminds me of a blend of Mike uh, Evans and Keenan Allen. I think hmm. he is pretty smooth route runner. Um, people are concerned about the speed, but watch that 24-yard catch and run. Yeah. Like, he, he looks fine out there. So I, you know, I did not want him to get hurt. Obviously, I think they're just being protective of him. I think he'll be ready for week one, but certainly that's going to keep his ADP in check. You know, as Graham mentioned, it might be dropping right now um, because you know, that's probably going to go down as only preseason catch. So yeah. I think he's one of those players. The hype isn't out of control right now, but it should be. Um, so I love getting him in this wide receiver 45 range. And I would love if his ADP drops even more because he should be ready to go by week one. And you're not drafting him for week one anyway. You're drafting him just based on his upside. He's going to be your wide receiver four. He's going to be the first guy on your bench. So I just love getting him where he is right now. Yeah, you always want to kind of target that upside, especially guys who, you know, are going to be a top two target on their team. And, and you know, those are the guys that are going to be able to give you, you know, four or five catch weeks and, and potentially do it consistently, which if you're playing redraft is really what you want. It's that consistency uh, to, to do that week in and week out. 
Um, let's stay with this Falcons team. Um, you know, uh, Tyra Algier, he's a fifth round pick out of BYU. It's a wide open depth chart. Um, you know, they signed Damian Williams to kind of play the Mike Davis role, but, you know, Allison showed well. Algier is a guy that they, they invested draft capital in, uh, and he looked pretty good, you know, three carries, 25 yards. Uh, is there any sleeper appeal here, uh, maybe later in the season? Because I know you said they do have a, a tough early season schedule. It wouldn't really kind of be conducive to a, a, a early down back. My thing with Algier, man, is, I, you know, we you mentioned it a minute ago, like CPAD is going to be their pass catching guy. And like Algier mm-hmm. is probably just the early down grinder. And I'm not sure how valuable that is in mm. this offense. Um, and, you know, for what it's worth, I, I wrote this up when I wrote uh, when I was charting Algier. But like you could watch one game of his from his uh, his time at BYU and know exactly what kind of player he is like he he doesn't have much burst he doesn't have much wiggle but man he gets north south quick and you know i know arthur smith loves to run the ball so he's, he's he'll probably end up being their early down guy but i just question how much upside he has especially since we you know we know this falcons offense is probably going to struggle to score some touchdowns yeah you know looking at his uh player profile or comp it's zach moss and uh sean <laughs> yeah. i know no but like seriously yeah, that's a strong yeah. comp honestly that's, we, that's, we, pretty, that's pretty spot on and we joke but you know sean i remember you, and you pointed this out and, and you and i were kind of we probably made some money in dfs because we knew exactly when to target zach moss it was like <laughs> it was like in the games where the bills were good like they would activate yeah. him specifically when they were like favored by like you know it was like the texans points. game right yeah. right right i think maybe a dolphins one too but yeah. um yeah so like is that kind of what we're probably going to be using algier this year is like you know in a few games the falcons are actually favored um maybe maybe you kind of take a flyer on him is that where we're at with him yeah yeah that's exactly right and that's why I, man i like him as a player i Zach Moss is a fair comp. He does give me James Conner vibes, though. Okay. I think he does have, you know, if we want to go the positive route, his ceiling, I would say. <laughs> yeah. uh, James Conner would be his ceiling. Uh, but, yeah, as Graham mentioned, like the early down role isn't that valuable in this offense because they're not going to put up many points. So they're not going to have the lead very often. And he's going to have to compete with Mariota around the goal line for touchdowns anyway. So that's why, you know, his upside is very limited. I mean, he's basically the Mike Davis role. And how valuable was that last year? So um, I, I do like him as a player, but just based on the Falcons' current team and going into the season, um, you know, I don't think he offers enough upside to get too excited about, but definitely someone to monitor. Speaking of someone to monitor, um, Ken Walker, yeah. the third, you know, he's a guy who we, it's funny because on the same day, I think we got a report that like he's going to be a lot more involved than we thought. He's also dealing with a hernia. They say they say he's going to be ready by week one. So, I mean, hopefully that's, you know, it's just a, it's a pretty simple procedure. It shouldn't cost him greatly or anything. Um, but, uh, you know, he didn't flash too much. It was five for 19 out of the backfield, caught an 11 yard, uh, 11 yard pass. Barfield, you know, assuming he's healthy, um, you know, what do you kind of see out of him as a back? Yeah, I, I, I'm glad I'm doing the pod with y'all because I, I saw that news right when we were getting on. I was I would have been distraught because Walker is like one of my most drafted running backs. I think you're right, though. I think we avoided uh, something serious here. Uh, Walker was my guy, man, in this class. Just absolutely nuked yards created. 91st percentile yards created per attempt. Led this class by a mile and missed tackles force per attempt. Uh, he reminded me of a, of a skinnier Joe Mixon in terms okay. of play style. Um, you know, the big concern, obviously, with him, man, is like, you know, he only caught, what, 13 balls, 14 balls at Michigan State last year. And most of those were, were dump offs. But I watched all of them. Uh, he, you know, he showed like, you know, just getting his hands out in front of him, wasn't body catching, just little things like that. He did show that um, at the end of the day. 
you know, we know Rashad Penny is, is awesome, but, you know, we also know Rashad Penny hasn't been able to, to stay on the field at the same time. Um, I, I'm hoping Walker is, you know, at least, at least good to go for week one. Uh, there's a report that just came actually the rap. sheet just said that, that he's a uh, plan is for him to be ready for week one. Yeah. So I, I think, man, I think you got to bump him down a little um, just based on, you know, he's not going to get any more preseason reps. He's probably going to be behind by week one, but I still, I still view this as like, you know, I kind of had it projected as like Penny 1A, Walker 1B to start the season, and then Walker just slowly taking over as the season goes on. And, and I think that's kind of the, the same case right now, regardless of this hernia. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and Pete Carroll actually, you know, talked to your point about the pass catching. Pete Carroll had actually just said, you know, he's turned a page in his pass protection work um, and, and scouting reports, because I went back and looked at this. Um, they did tend to say, you know, when he caught the ball, just like you did, that that he looked good when he caught it. He just didn't get a, a big chance to, to do so. So um, yeah, I don't think it's a major concern. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that Michigan State offenses in general don't do. They don't throw to yeah. their backs. Like, they had Le'Veon Bell, but, you know, they barely threw to him, too, until, like, his last couple of years. So, I think that's just more of just they, – they just don't throw to their backs. Yeah, yeah and, and I will not, say – I'm not holding that against them. I, I will say this. Like, you know, um, Homer and Dallas both also – showed out in the preseason and I think they will be involved. So I think it is fair to like either way, it's, he's going to have to kind of get his value from uh, at some point, you know, taking over from Penny. Um, the O-line is pretty bad. You know, Sean, I know you've been kind of a little hesitant to invest in Walker. So I- I'm guessing that this news probably does nothing to help, uh, you know, help uh, where, you, where you're willing to take him. No, it, it does nothing to help. And it, again, this has nothing to do with the player. Walker's extremely talented. I consider him, very close to Brees Hall. So, you know, it's 1A, 1B when it comes to the rookie backs. I just don't like the landing spot because Rashad Penny's still there. Um, I could see them, you know, splitting the early down work uh, when mm-hmm. they're both healthy. But as Graham mentioned, you know, Rashad Penny has struggled to stay healthy. That's where I see Ken Walker's upside. But I also said that, you know, backs like Travis Homer, DJ Dallas are going to be way more involved than people like to yeah. admit. Um, and we saw that happen. I mean, Travis Homer looked good, but, uh, you know, he's going to, you know, probably dominate the receiving work to down, uh, the two minute offense, uh, which is unfortunate because I think that's where Walker would need to kind of expand his role to, to find value while Penny's healthy. So just two backs sharing early down work on a team that's not very good. They're going to be trailing most of the time that probably won't score that as many points as here uh, just makes me hesitate on him a bit. And this this recent injury uh, doesn't help. I think he'll be ready by week one. Uh, at the end of the day, it really comes down to Rashad Penny's health. Uh, so if Rashad Penny is healthy all season. You know, I think Kenneth Walker is being drafted too high, but um, yeah, I just didn't like the situation, you know, the landing spot for him. Yeah. So right now he's, his ADP is RB 36. I think it's going to fall because of the injury. And I think if you can get him as like your RB four, you know, a guy that you're not really planning on starting, I think that would be better because um, I think he has a lot of upside. Penny has missed over 40% of his games through four years. So there is a chance here, but there also are some risks like, you know, Seattle's the probably the worst offensive line in the league or, or you know, right there with the bears uh, as, as the worst. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, if Penny doesn't get hurt, you're probably in a, a bind because you'll have, you have two other guys that are going to make the team for special teams that also play on third down and two minute and Homer uh, and Dallas. So I think the best way to invest in Walker uh, if you happen to, if you're a better, um, he's 12 to one to win rookie of the year. If Penny is missing 40% of his games, like Walker has a real shot at, at that rookie of the year. Um, if, if Penny goes down, you know, somewhat early in the year. So I think that's probably the best way to invest in Ken Walker. It's not necessarily in fantasy unless his ADP drops to outside the top 40 backs. Um, all right, let's finish it up. Last guy I want to talk about is a guy that 
his stock, you know, didn't he? It went down in the preseason, <laughs> and it's funny because I, I made a joke about it. I was like, "Watch this guy play into the fourth quarter uh, of, of the first preseason game." And Whittle, you know, of course, he actually did play deeper to the fourth quarter. That's Traylon Burks, uh, you know, first rounder out of Arkansas, had one target on uh, nineteen routes. So that's not great for a guy who we wanted to be the number one um, wide receiver. Now it looks like. You know, I've heard positive things about every other Titans receiver in camp. Like Robert Woods looks really good coming back from his injury. Uh, Westbrook Aquina, you know, they love him. He knows the system. He's been there for three, four years now. Uh, Racy McMath is beating everybody deep. Kyle Phillips is, is, is taking over that slot role. Uh, where does this leave Burks? Because I know people, Graham, are going to say, don't overreact. We overreacted to Jamar Chase. But like Jamar Chase was different. Jamar Chase played 11 routes in the preseason and got targeted five times. If the ball is going to you when you drop it, that can that can change. But like for Burks, it just seems like he's struggling to like get open. Yeah, it's it's bizarre, man. And for what it's worth, like I look into this all the time. But like Mike Vrabel has been trashing the guy. Like I, I haven't mm-hmm. heard I haven't heard a coach trash a first round pick like this in a long time. Like. Uh, it's bizarre, man. At the end of the day, there's, there's not much you can really hang your hat on to keep bump, like to keep him, you know, where he was going in the seventh, eighth round of drafts. Like he was this summer. He's one guy I keep moving down and it sucks. Like, you know, there's so much opportunity here. I mean, Robert Woods is declining in terms of efficiency metrics. He's coming off a popped ACL. They don't really have much else, but like if Burks can't beat out, you know, Nick Westbrook, Akeen and, and, you know, Kyle Phillips to get on the field early in August, like that's, that's probably not a good sign. He's, I really hope he pops here maybe in the next couple of weeks and gives us some like signs of life, but it's, it's getting really hard to, to invest in Burke stock. Cause like you said, man, it's totally different. Like Jamar Chase was like set in stone generational wide receiver prospect. There was a lot of concern over Bur- some of Burks's production being fraudulent. Um, my guy, Scott Barrett wrote a ton about this and like, you know, it wasn't just a, like an analytical thing, like some tape guys really didn't like him either. So yeah, it's a totally different situation than Chase. And I, I definitely adjusted. My thing with Burks is that like, you look at him and even when he was, you know, in the draft, like the Titans kind of had to act swiftly. Like they, it's like, I think we got yeah. word they traded AJ Brown and drafted Burks in like the same breath almost. Like, wow. so it's like Burks was a guy, a lot of people had not necessarily even going in round one. Like some people had him slipping to round two and I, I his over under definitely was, was above like 18th or wherever he got drafted. So Sean, I know, you know, again, like I know you, you don't like to overreact to these things. So you're, you know, you're as the voice of reason. Cause I, I have works like, <laughs> I, I, as like wide receiver, like 60 or something like right now. Um, but where, where are you on Burks given uh, what we've seen? I am right there with you. Okay. Uh, I have him. Wide receiver 60 as well. Actually, I still have Robbie Anderson with a Y, so I need to change that. But, um, <laughs> but that's, that's the range I have, Burks, now. I Yeah, I think this is uh, definitely a time to panic. Um, and I was pretty high on him. He does have a wide range of outcomes. I, you know, I'm not just casting him off forever. Uh, but the fact that he's with the Titans, that's the concern. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, A.J. Brown was – legit because he was you know elite in terms of efficiency that's how he was able to produce value in this offense so if we already have concerns then i'm off of burks um now if if he was on green bay or kansas city i would stick with him just based on the scheme um but right now yeah i'm i'm completely off him i'm with you he's like wide receiver 60 now um you know i I don't want to be too you know overreacting but i think in this case it's definitely warranted because the signs were there. He played in the fourth quarter in the preseason game, playing as backups, couldn't find targets. They had to give him that design carry for four yards to get him the ball. So 
just things like that you just can't ignore. So I, I definitely lowered him a ton after that. Yeah, yeah. you guys remember a time where like a first round rookie played into the fourth quarter of the first game in August? Ugh, I honestly no. might like I can't think. Nah, of bro. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I like to your point, Graham. It's like you got to kind of read between the lines with what the coaching staff is telling you, and it's like yeah. that's not telling. That's telling you he he hasn't proven anything despite his pedigree in practice. Because and and we've heard the bad practice reports. You know, the conditioning hasn't always been there. Uh, unfortunately, the guy's got asthma, which which does suck, especially in a spot like Tennessee in the summer. But uh, it, it's not good. I think he's like one more bad preseason game away from me calling him Traquan Treadwell. So, uh, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> you mean reemerge with the Jaguars and stuff? Yeah, and right, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, it, an, an Urban Meyer's second hey, stinter. Hey, listen, the, the Jags already have their trail on Burks and LaVisca Chanel. We don't, we don't need another, oh, we, yeah. we don't need another, yeah. Who, who, by the way. Who, by the way, uh, so you know, reading into the Jags reports, it's uh, it's been Marvin and Zay on the out on the outside. Yeah, yeah Zay's another guy. And, and then Trey and then uh, Treadwell's the number four. So like that tells me, uh, Chanel is the number five at best, and they've been looking to trade him and, and haven't had any suitors. So like that's yep, yeah, that's brutal. not yeah, bad. But like you gotta he's dust. Yeah, you gotta take like Sky Moore and all those like John Dotson, uh, Garrett Wilson, all those other rookies. I think Olave, obviously, like uh, Sky Moore looked look really good, by the way. I know we're, we're not going to get to him, but, you know, we kind of knew that he was going to be good. And, and McCall Hardman apparently got a groin injury. So, um, you know, Moore should get more work. So, yeah, pretty much every rookie, you know, first, second rounder, um, I, I think is in a better spot uh, th- than Burks right now. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up by just let's talk about guys who are just moving up or down our draft boards. This could be, you know, based on guys we talked about. It could just be, you know, news related in general. Um, Graham, I'll start with you. Who's somebody, who's somebody or, or players that have been moving up uh, your draft board? Yeah, I'll give you one guy. It's Brandon Ayuk. Um, I think just of the, the bet, you know, the more buzz for Lance, the better for Ayuk. Like, I think a part of the reason Ayuk, you know, obviously he was in the doghouse last year, you know, you know, Shanahan got sick of him in camp, but I think part of the reason Ayuk flopped last year is Jimmy Garoppolo is just not an aggressive passer. Like he throws over the middle uh, they design stuff for, for Debo and, and Kittle and all their guys to get into space. But like Lance actually has the arms, arm talent and the aggressive nature to throw deep downfield and, and kind of give Ayuk some 50, 50 balls. Um, I, I'm real excited for Ayuk, man. And I, it's not that I'm out on Debo. It's not that I'm out on Kittle, but Ayuk's like my favorite Niner pass catcher to, to buy simply because he's, you know, he's the cheapest and arguably he gets the biggest upgrade. Like Debo is always going to get his Kittle will always have his spike games, but I think how you can Lance like mesh perfectly together. Yeah. And just, again, that design of that offense, you know, where he's able to catch the ball, you know, near the marker and still have space um, just based on that scheme, I think is, is, is something to like about him. Uh, Sean, give me some guys or, or a guy that's your uh, that's moving up for you. So, I mean, George Pickens and Romeo Dobbs, obviously don't need to talk about them anymore. But the one guy that's moved up a lot the past couple of weeks for me is Ramondre Stevenson. Mm. Um, you know, once James White retired, I, I thought Stevenson was a sneaky good pass catching back last year. I was president use him more, but uh, looks like, you know, he could take over that James White role. Certainly he could eat into Damian Harris's carries. I mean, he could be a true workhorse back. So the fact that we have Damian Harris trade rumors out out there this is kind of what i was doing with damian harris last year when they still had sony michelle once the trade rumors started i started moving damian harris up so that's what i'm doing with stevenson i have him actually ranked ahead of harris right now because i think he does have a pathway to be a true workhorse back in this offense so just love what i you know his upside and what i saw last year as a rookie um so he's been the guy that's moving up the most in my uh rankings 
Yeah, I remember uh, I'm probably going to lose this James Prochet bet. I think we bet that I, he would have 50 <laughs> catches, but I, remember, I, half, yeah. I do I do remember, you, I think at one point in the offseason, like way early, you were like, yeah, James White might have some value. I was like, this dude is washed. And, and well, it looks like, yeah. looks like James White thought he was washed too. because <laughs> <Whoever just, laughs> How about, let me clarify. It was, remember when me and Steven were debating over, uh, was it Jay Sternberger? Yeah. Oh. I should have just said, whoever the hell is lining up at tight end for the Packers, so James White, it's just whoever's going to be lined up, you know, on third downs. Oh. Mac Jones loves to dump it <laughs> off. So it looks like it's, well, yeah, James White's done. But Stevenson could be that guy. So yeah. I love his upside. So you might also want to invest in some shares of uh, Ty Montgomery, who's who's like reemerged from the dead yeah. apparently uh, in that role as well. So it, but uh, no, I agree. I think Stevenson, he deserves to be taken in that group of backs where, you know, those kind of RB3s, um, that, you know, like, it, like he, he should give you startable value from week one is what I'm trying to right. say. So he's, um, he's my favorite out of that group right now. Yeah. Uh, since we just lost Walker, he's, he's not ah, my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So for me, you know, like you said, Dobbs has been a guy, obviously don't really need to talk about him. Uh, again, I have a piece up at actionnetwork.com. If you want to kind of be convinced and, and you're, you're not too familiar, uh, George Pickens, another guy, like, like you said, Sean, just, a guy I think is going to be out there every snap from from week one. Uh, Pacheco, you know, talked about him already. I think I think he like he's the number two back already. It just kind of seems like from his usage. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. is a guy we haven't talked about. Um, you know, I mean, at first, uh, you know, the, the Gibson, like, I don't think Gibson's necessarily just going to like lose goal line carries to a rookie, right. but like it's in general. I've talked about this before. Like they used him too much last year. Like he, as they as his uh, volume went up, his efficiency went down. And like Gibson's a guy, somebody threw it out there that like, maybe it's optimal to use him almost like Cordell Patterson, you know, same similar kind of situation where it's like a guy who was a receiver and then he's like, they turn him into a back, but like Patterson's efficiency went down, you know, there at the end of the year from too much, probably inside the tackles work. That could be the case with Gibson. And uh, they drafted this guy Robinson. They've been talking him up. They've, they're already saying they like the way he runs. Um, whereas Gibson needs to kind of like refine his style. So there's enough smoke there uh, you know, for me to be kind of gradually moving uh, Robinson up. And then uh, there's also, also some tight ends, you know, right outside the, those top, those top 10, I think tight end, you know, if you miss out on the top 10, like after Knox and Ertz, like you're going to be in a little bit of like a bind in a 12 team league. So Albert Okuebunam, you know, with that Tim Patrick injury, um, he's moving up because we all, we've always loved his like underlying metrics. He gets targeted at a high rate per route. And now he's going to be the, the starter there. Um, you know, Tyra Higby is another guy. I think people are kind of underrating. He was out there for like 86% of the routes, um, you know, in that Rams offense, um, I, you know, he could, he could easily end up being like that tight end 11 or 12 or even higher um, just based on the way he's used. So uh, he's another guy and Gerald Everett too, you know, just as I project uh, Justin Herbert, like he's projected, he's the top favorite to lead the league in passing touchdowns. You know, Everett is a lot younger than Jared Cook, like this role, this tight end role in that offense, uh, could we be a little more valuable than we thought it was last year um, just because you have like a, a kind of better player uh, than Jared Cook. So that, those are a couple of guys that a few guys that have been uh, moving up my board. Let's finish it up with guys that are moving down Barfield. Who you got? Yeah. That, you know, I, I'm always one that's like, you know, I'm trying to to not focus too much on player takes and focus more on like, you know, roster builds and stuff, but there are guys out there that I, I just don't want any of and you know it's just the opportunity cost of of drafting them is just not worth even the value you might get uh in theory in their adp and then the two guys right now i have is antonio gibson and kenny galladay they're they're just off my list like gibson is um, gonna lose the passing down 
catch up work to McKissick. There's, you know, we just talked through Brian Robinson because I'm with you. Robinson is one guy I've been hammering uh, late mm-hmm. in drafts all year. Um, uh, he was really underrated in yards created. I, I had him much higher than, than consensus pre-draft. And the Kenny Galladay, man, it's just easy. Like, he's just probably dust. Like, he got, he got his money, he got paid, and, and now he's just, like, not even putting in the effort. I mean, it's the, some, of the, some of the routes that we've seen him, either from, from preseason, this preseason, even last year, he just doesn't have the effort. Um, so Galladay is, is off my list uh, as well. And I, I'm on that note, uh, Wandell Robinson is, is one guy that's been really coming up my board uh, in, in that same vein, just because, you know, man, he's already the slot guy super productive in college, early draft capital. Um, and, and Daniel Jones loves throwing in the short and intermediate areas. So I've, uh, I've really bumped up Wandale and I'm, I'm completely out on Galladay. Wandale Moore. He, that's what, that's what yeah. I call him. Cause he reminded that he could have that similar usage. I mean, it didn't always translate into big fantasy days, but uh, yeah, I think a obviously had a plan for him, you know, drafting him in the second round with all those holes on that roster and a pretty, you know, an offensive staff taking over a pretty, what's thought to be sharp GM, Um, you know, just organizationally, I think you have to kind of be bullish on, on Robinson and what his role is going to be. And I agree on on Galladay too. Like he's just not getting separation. And like, I just don't want those kind of guys on my team. Like, it's like, you know, that that's why we like Romeo Dobbs so much. That's why we like George Pickens. Like these guys can get open. Like that's what, that's the path to being a, a fantasy, a producer. It's not, you know, starting the year as like the, the nominal number one receiver and, and then having a bunch of like two, three catch games and then getting, you know, demoted. Like that's, that's, a, that's how you draft a bust. So uh, I'm with you there. Sean, what about you? Uh, so Traylon Burks, obviously don't need to go uh, too much more in depth than him. Uh, Mike Isicki, uh is the one tight end I've been dropping quite a bit. Uh, the one thing you were able to hang your hat on w- with him is at least he's running routes out there. He's practically a wide receiver. But, you know, this new offense, this new scheme, this new coaching staff has been having him block in line a lot more uh, in camp. So that's a huge concern. And we already were concerned about his target share with Tyreek Hill there. So I've been dropping him down closer to a mid-range tight end, too. Um, And then Isaiah Spiller, like I hated where he's being drafted. You can get a guy like Melvin Gordon who can like he can maybe provide RB3 flex value with Javante Williams healthy there. He has, you know, high-end RB2 upside if Javante Williams goes down. Or like an Alexander Madison, whenever Dalvin Cook misses time, you can get low-end RB1 value. That's kind of how I view Isaiah Spiller. He, he's going to need Austin Eckler to miss time to have any value. So, I, And even then, we don't know who's really going to be the starting back. Uh, I guess apparently Joshua Kelly mm-hmm. uh, is, be- yeah. is beating out Spiller yeah. for the RB2. And that's just embarrassing. So that's not good, good news for Isaiah Spiller at all. So I just... I, I can't understand his ADP right now. Um, so, you know, I'm completely off him. I'm moving him even further down my rankings with his Joshua Kelly news. He's, you know, Isaiah Spiller is a handcuff only guy. Yeah. You know, that that's what happens. I think, you know, every year that we're, we're pretty bullish on all the rookie running backs as you know, we should be generally rookie running backs have, you know, been able to like exceed fantasy, uh, you know, ADP and they're smart investments, but you still have to go on a case by case basis. And, um, you know, him, not him kind of getting beat out by Kelly, you have to keep expectations in check. Um, So, so I'm with you there. Uh, For me, it's, it's Ronald Jones, obviously, like he was going in that, that top 45, backs and like it, it just seems like a repeat of, of last year like it just doesn't look like he's going to get the role that we think yeah. he's going to get on on one of these high-powered offenses and you know he kind of reminds me of Carlos Hyde a couple years ago wasn't Hyde like a 
you know, uh, like everyone thought he was going to be like the lead back on the Chiefs or something like that. Or, or inv- and then like he ends up getting traded or, or cut or something like it just reminds me of, of that where it's like, I just don't think he's going to have a role. I think he might end up being on a new team. Uh, but, you know, early in the season, uh, you know, Gibson, you know, Graham, you already talked about him. It's just you can't ignore all the noise. Like I'm not dropping him like outside of the top 30 or anything, but he's definitely kind of more in the, like the mid 20s now. Um, Cam Akers, another one, you know, again, just not dropping him crazy, but um, like Sean McVay has now over and over repeatedly said we want Henderson and Akers both. And I'm treating them both like starters and every, everyone who's been at camp says they're both splitting first team reps pretty equally. So like, I think there's too much noise to kind of ignore um, with Akers. And maybe it was just that, like that, that poor performance when, when they rushed him back, maybe that kind of, you know, scared McVay a little bit. And he says, cause you see that happen all the time, you know, like you rely on like one guy, he gets hurt. And now you're like, all right, you know, we want to, we want to use a committee just to keep these guys healthy for when it matters. So um, the Rams want to make a deep postseason run. They're the Super Bowl defending champs. Uh, and, and I think it kind of makes sense if they conserve acres a little bit. So um, RB like 17, 18, 15, even where he's getting drafted, just a little too high for me. Burks already talked about him. I just don't think he should be drafted as a guy that you can get reliable production. I mean, he could open the year as low as like the fifth receiver. If, if McMath is going to be like their like, you know, situational deep threat, like it could be bad uh, for Burks. And uh, one more the guy that I liked coming into the year uh, is James Cook I'm dropping because with the Zach Moss news, that just kind of means that like there's a third guy involved here. So like Cook was already going to kind of be used like a McKissick who they tried to sign and then he reneged. But like now if there's another early down guy, Cook doesn't have that same, you know, upside to, you know, be like the McKissick role plus a little few extra early down carries. Like he might just be that, that pass catcher, which, you know, it, it's cool, but it's going to be really tough to predict which games he's going to go off. And uh, I don't think he has quite as much upside as I thought he did, you know, w- without Moss being involved. So like, he's still getting drafted as like a fringe top 40 guy, where I just think he, he, he belongs more. So, you know, in, in that, in that, you know, outside the top 40, maybe in that 50 range, kind of like Isaiah Spiller. It's just like, we don't know enough yet. And, and he's dealing with like a three-way committee rather than a two. So uh, that, that's another guy. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for us here in our fantasy flex preseason uh, Stockwatch pod, Graham, uh, really appreciated you coming on. You had a lot of uh, great information. Tell everybody uh, what you're up to and where they can find you. Yeah, man, this was great. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Um, yeah, I'm at Graham Barfield on Twitter. You can follow me there on the Twitter machine. Um, everything I'm doing is at fantasypoints.com. We are uh, cranking out just a ton of content. I actually just came out with the Superflex strategy guide this morning going through strategy, going through all different types of uh, team builds, uh, using our fantasy points generator, which is like a, you know, a draft tool you can use kind of like simultaneously or to prepare for your draft. Uh, got super flex rankings up. It's uh, it's that time of year, boys. I'm excited. That's going to wrap it up. Uh, remember, you can uh, find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me at Chris Raybon, R-A-Y-B-O-N. Uh, and you can find us at those same handles at, on the free award-winning Action Network app where you can uh, follow all of our bets or track yours for free. Uh, actionnetwork.com is where you go for our fantasy rankings, projections, tools, content, uh, all that good stuff. And be sure to check out uh, our other episodes. We got a ton of episodes up. Uh, where we're just going through uh, all the different, all the players at each position. Um, you know, Matt Harmon for wide receivers. We had uh, we had Jake Sealy talking about running backs, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really good. So uh, go check that out. And uh, until next time, let's get this money.